Hello, and welcome to another edition of Lit These Days. I'm Jessica. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Um, Yeah, so hello and welcome. If you have not been, I already said welcome, but whatever. Here we go. Um, welcome again. <laughs> welcome doubly. Um, so if you have not joined us before, if you're new here, we are a book podcast. We talk about the books that we're currently reading, what we finished reading, and we give book recommendations to our listeners. But also, we talk about our lives. And Adam, you were in a car accident. Tell us about that. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> picture this. You get back from the beach and you realize you got to get your car in working order before you go back to school since I'm a teacher and I start this week, uh, Wednesday actually, and I have stuff tomorrow. So, you take it, you drop it off at the dealership, you pay for an inspection, new brakes, new transmission fluid. You, th- you make them change your air filters for like $140, which is oh ridiculous, gosh. but I, I, I can never buy the right air filter, so I feel like I just waste the money anyway. So I was like, ah, what the heck? It's fine. Go ahead and replace that too. I think I did a couple other things, and then I picked it up, spent way too much money on it, and then drove home. And then on my way home, uh, the light changed and I turned, and somebody just plowed me. Oh, like they, <laughs> just. And I don't know... If they were trying to catch the light or if they just weren't paying attention, I feel like they just weren't paying attention. But yeah, just like hit the hit the side of my car. So I normally I'm looking to see if people aren't paying attention, but I could not see around this turn. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty safe. I'm backed up far away. So there's, you know, there's a good five seconds for the light to change. So I turned and I could like, it's that time slowed down deal, right? Yeah. Like I could see in my peripheral vision, this guy coming at me. And I think I, I think I sped up. I definitely laid on the horn, but I think I also sped up. And then, which thankfully I sped up or he would have T-boned me. He hit the back side, like a driver's side tire and blew uh. my airbag out. So like I wasn't injured at all. I think I was at like the right pivot, pivot point there, but I've been getting my hearing back today because it's just been ringing for the past the past two days. Oh my gosh, that's so scary! Yeah, my first thought was "ow." Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess my first thought was oh, "I'm gonna get hit." My second thought was "ow," and then my third thought was "well, that airbag was kind of useless." <laughs> and then my fourth thought was "oh, I just repaired this car. That's kind of funny." <laughs> yeah. So then my I fifth thought was "I need to get out of the middle of the intersection." <laughs> Yeah. Did, so did you have to like go in an ambulance, the hospital, like, or were you okay with? I went into the ambulance to get vitals checked. And then I asked, like, Hey, do I need to go to the hospital? And I said, yeah, we recommend you go to the hospital. But then the guy that was in charge came in and he was like, we have to recommend, we're not doctors. So we have to recommend that you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. We have to. And I was like, okay, I don't need to go to the hospital. Yeah. And <laughs> so no. ambulance and I wasn't, rides ambulance rides are like two grand. So that yeah, that's that's what was going through my brain as well. <sighs> it was like that's gonna be expensive and I am pretty sure I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like I was a little achy at the time and then and then that was it. Everyone was like, Hey, you'll feel it tomorrow and I, I never felt it the next day. Fortunately, like I, I had a massage scheduled the following day, so I was like <laughs> Well there you go. <laughs> it worked out. Perfect, perfect timing on on that end. But the weirdest thing was I couldn't remember what happened like right oh. before. So I couldn't from the time that the light changed. I couldn't remember the light changing for me, and I couldn't remember anything up to the point where I could see the guy in my peripheral vision. I don't know if it's just the accident knocked it out, or you know, driving is is very much autopilot a lot of the times. This is a road I've been on a million times before. So I don't know if it was that, but for the longest time I was like, I don't, maybe this is my fault. I don't know. The Mm -hmm. the cops were like, well, like he, he admitted that he hit you. So that's fine. Um, But somebody had run across the street and handed me his business card. He worked for a police department out of, out of town. And he was like, I'm a witness. I saw everything. Give me a call. So I called him later and he was like, no, you, no, you had a, I was behind you. (laughs) Okay. Guy just plowed you. I was like, thanks. I just needed to fill in that mental blank. So I didn't sit here going, maybe this is my, maybe I'm the one that should be in court. Nah, it's the other guy that should be in court. No, it's good that the other guy was there to kind of tell you what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And again, he didn't end up needing to, like, mm-hmm. police wise, but just for my own, like, 
what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I really wanted to, uh, really wanted to know that. And then there's that awkward moment where the guy finally got out of his car. He was like, I guess his front air and his side airbag deployed. Cause I was like, why is he in the middle of the road? But I don't want to like walk out into the middle of the road. So he got out. I was like, Hey, <laughs> you okay? Yeah. All right. I'm Adam. <laughs> he was like, I'm Alejandro. I was like, well, nice to meet you. And then we sat in silence until the police arrived. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, this, this is awkward. This is very awkward. I've, so, never, I've never been in a car accident like that. Knock on wood. And I'm glad. I'm glad that you're okay. Oh, that's, that's scary. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could have been, could have been, uh, could have been worse. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, my immediate thought was, that's kind of funny. So, can't yeah. be that bad, I guess. <laughs> you spent uh, a ton of money to fix your car. Yeah. Well, here we are. I'm hope- yeah. Hopefully, the insurance will take that into consideration. Yeah. I also asked the, the tow truck driver, because I was like, this is totaled, right? Like, that that tire's bent. He was like, yeah, like, tire's bent, but, like, your airbag deployed, which is usually what, what totals it. But, like, you know, put your thumb down on, you just made the repairs. And I was like, I have two car seats in the back, do I... I have to throw those out, right? Well, the liberals would tell you that. Oh, but us red- <laughs> It's like us rednecks would tell you to just spray it off. That's a perfectly good car seat. <laughs> oh, my God. Some people. So I, was like, I was like, okay, I don't know why I need to spray it off. But then immediately he turned around and was like, wait a second. You get money out of that, too. Yeah, better throw them out. Tell them, though. Put, the, put your thumb down on them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet Thanks. that guy. Oh, it's great. I've had three um, amazing interactions with tow truck drivers in the past. Oh, we don't need to talk about those today, but they'll come up at some point, I'm sure. Okay. That was one of them. It was one of the three. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, at least you're okay. That's that, That's what matters. And I have news as well. If, if you guys have been following the saga of the apartment complex here, <laughs> um, we were supposed to move into a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment two months ago, and we couldn't. So three of us were in a studio for two months and um, now we're finally in the two bedroom, two bathroom and I got Yay. my, I'm getting my bookshelf set up. So that's exciting. And yeah, so the, the apartment saga has come to a close. You're already in a much more spacious hallway, closet. What are you in right now? I have two closets. Well, okay. One of them is my closet. One of them is my boyfriend's closet, but now we have two closets, which is so exciting. And we got a Peloton yesterday. They delivered it yesterday and we can fit it in our room. It's so exciting. Nice. (laughs) That would have taken up like all of your space before. Pretty much. You'd had to sleep on the Peloton. Yeah. No. And it's, I wrote it for the first time yesterday and my butt hurts a lot so i don't know how comfortable that would be to sleep on it how are the seats on those things are they like bike seats or are they wide seats they're like bike seats and i so i took like a beginner's class so how peloton works is that you can get classes on demand so i took a beginner's class and the the instructor i don't think they can say the word butt or like any kind of weird words like that we're not it's not a weird word but you know what i mean and she was like the seat it's probably not the most comfortable thing to you right now. And your your undercarriage is going to feel unique for the first couple days that you use it. But you're going to get used to it. So I'm just waiting to get used to it. <laughs> That's more awkward. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. I have a bike pants or bike shorts i love them when i when i work out i love (laughs) i love exercising because i can wear like nothing and it's perfectly like socially acceptable yeah these shorts are like skin tight but they have padding that goes goes on the the hind quarters (laughs) if we don't want to say butt um and it and it cushions all of that so it's i've taken it on a 40 40 plus mile bike run oh my gosh it's my my body didn't hold up well, but my, my butt was fine. So. That's good. That's good to know. Sorry, undercarriage. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, you had a beach story too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> we went to a restaurant early enough that nobody was there, which was great because of COVID and it overlooked the beach, which was great. And then in the middle while we were eating, my son sprayed his French – my son is five. He sprayed his French fries with uh, the ketchup bottle and then, you know, how – you know, the ketchup gets stuck on the inside of the, the Heinz ketchup bottle. Mm-hmm. So he proceeded to lick it off of the <laughs> bottle, which he's never done before. Kids are completely unpredictable. He's never <laughs> licked 
the inside of our ketchup bottles, which would be more <laughs> acceptable, not acceptable, but more acceptable than licking the inside of a publicly used ketchup bottle <laughs> in the it's middle the first of the year time of the plague. Everything. Yeah. Which was, and again, my first thought was like, this is going to make a, make a good story. So, so the kid came over and I was like, Hey, can you throw this on the bill? He was like, you want to take the ketchup home with you? I was like, <laughs> no, throw the ketchup out. But my kid licked the inside of it. Uh, just throw it on the bill. And he gave me, he was the nicest kid, but then he, he gave me the most awkward, like condescending, like, uh, no, I just <laughs> throw it out don't do that and then he like walked away and my wife was like that's kind of rude and i was like it's not though like he's never been told hey my kid licked the inside of the of the ketchup container yeah yeah i know and it, they have so many bottles of ketchup back there they're yeah they're fine yeah i would no. i'm trying to think of like how because i used to work at applebee's i'm trying to think of like what i would do in that situation <laughs> like there's no button for ketchup bottle <laughs> on the pos but yeah. I don't know. Well, then he came back and he was like, he was back to like the nicest, nicest guy. I I was like, he totally just like got thrown for a loop for a second. Mm -hmm. So then I tipped like 30% and got the hell out of there. (laughs) Yeah. It works out. That's funny though. That he just, he just liked it. I like like, Silas. We don't, we don't lick the inside of ketchup containers. Oh, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I love your son. I love love the stories that you tell about like him asking what's going to happen when the sun explodes. I love that. Yeah. It's true. I had to revise that with him because I said like, oh, you know, everything will freeze. And but then my wife said like, no, that's not the, the earth's going to explode. And I was like, oh, OK, let me go tell him that the earth is going to explode. I can't believe I forgot that's what's going to happen. Oh, really? Wait. So this, if the sun explodes, the earth will explode as well? Yeah, we're out of there. This well, is probably uh, all we're wrong. Not gonna be Somebody there. write in. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know. Message us on Instagram. Um, and tell us what's going to happen when the sun explodes. But, okay, so I promise that this this is a podcast about books. And I finally finished reading Foundryside by Robert Jackson Bennett this week. And I've already talked about this like twice on the podcast, so I'll keep it short. Uh, But, um, so this is about a girl named Sanchia. She's a thief in a sci-fi fantasy world where objects can be scribed to behave like other objects. So, uh, if you put certain markings on a piece of wood, for example, you could convince the wood that it's actually a piece of stone, and that can just make your buildings stronger and, and stuff like that. Or, you could scribe a wheel to make it think that it's going downhill so it just keeps turning forever. And, um, so I think the world is pretty awesome honestly i never i would never think to to come up with a world like that so i thought it was kind of genius uh but we follow sanchia and she's stealing this object she doesn't know what the object is when she's stealing it she just knows that she has to steal it and then she's going to get a lot of money for it and um turns out that she gets tangled up in this huge elaborate political scheme and she essentially has to team up with some very powerful people to stop other very powerful people from killing innocent bystanders in the quest to get more power and I'm going to give this like a four out of five stars because I thought that the world building was incredible. And I think that um, the author does a great job at, at explaining very complicated things. And he does a good job at like at just explaining all of the little details that go into the world, you know? Hmm. So I thought that yeah. was really cool. And um, I did think that it dragged in some places for me. So that's why I knocked it down from a five out of five stars. But I do think that it's definitely worth a read because mostly because I like the fact that Sanchia and another female character in the book, they really know what they're doing. And they're not just like sitting around waiting for the men to like figure things out for them. Like they're in charge they're doing it and there's a little hint at like it's gonna turn into like a sapphic romance later on i think there's i think it's a trilogy so that's cool i'm excited to to read the rest of the series um and yeah so that's my those are my thoughts on on that book i would definitely recommend it that's cool yeah like a I've said before, I got to get back into fantasy at some point. That mm-hmm. would be a great entry point. Um, I was looking at fantasy books the other day in, in Goodwill, and I was like, no, I better not. Like, get sucked into another thing. But the, the recommendations that you have given have been fantastic. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. Could you I've... teach? Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, could you teach like the building material to tell jokes? Like, to, <laughs> can you make it speak or something? I don't think so. But what's, what's really interesting though is so, uh, Part of the story is that describing humans has been, like, outlawed for a very long time. But, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but Sanchia is a scribed human. And she, like, came from this plantation where she was a slave. And they're basically just doing experiments on people and just basically killing people because they couldn't figure it out. But she was, like, one of the first people to be scribed and then well i won't say more because that will be more of a spoiler um but so yes so kind of you could describe something to speak but it's already a human so it already knows how to speak it's a very complicated story it's there's a lot of moving parts in it and that's one of the reasons why i think that it's a great series is because it took i know that it probably took the author so long to put that together and i i just appreciate that yeah yeah instead of just you know it's the type of novel where you can't really write it on the fly mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta write everything down first <laughs> write the systems down write everything that's gonna happen yeah. which is very admirable i think for a writer you know, mm-hmm. There's a tradition of that in fantasy. I mean, Tolkien invents his own language to use in his books. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah. what what did you finish reading for this week? I finished reading several books, and they were all good, which is oh. which is a good good change of pace. Uh, Babel Seventeen by Samuel R. Delaney. If you remember. We did Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. I covered Empire Star, which is the flip side of Babel 17. It's oh. one of those double double novel deals. I should have read Babel 17 first, but I was trying to read as many novellas as I could at one time because Empire Star, the second book, is mentioned in Babel 17. So it ends up being a book. It's like a book inside of the book, which is kind of cool. It's not relevant. It's not really relevant to the storyline, but still it's kind of cool because i was like wait a second i know that and and it mentions the author and the and you can very much tell the author's name is an anagram for samuel r delaney which is really cool so there's cool setup there it is a great example of i listened to all but 20 pages of it on audible because it's free on audible but that's not a recommendation because it, it is very complicated as well and it's, it doesn't work well as an audiobook. The production is great. Ste- uh, Stefan Rudnicki, who is a great narrator, narrates it. But it is such a complicated <laughs> novel, mm-hmm. even though it's only 200 pages long, that like I had points where I was like, what in the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> I've, I've been paying attention the entire time. I have no idea what's going on. So I did a lot of like... <laughs> Let me seek out the reviews once I've done once I'm done with this. And, and I understood the ending very well because I stopped and actually like sat down and read read the ending. That was sometimes like what I would do. We would have some weird books that we were assigned in college because I was an English major, and I was like, "What the heck? What what the heck is going on here?" So I would just like read it, and then I just spark note it, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I get it now." <laughs> <laughs> I would always read the weird ones and then spark note the ones that I probably should have read anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and speaking of weird, this book is probably not your cup of tea, but it is very interesting. So it, there's an intergalactic war and it's between the Alliance and the Invaders, which made me think, are they, do the Invaders call themselves the Invaders? That's it's what like, I was thinking it, too. They make it seem like they do. It's like, like the good guys, the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's these two warring factions, and the Alliance starts to get these radio signals of an unknown language, and they, they dub that language Babel 17, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it basically like messes things up. It causes people to, to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do, so you start to get like moles and people, people on the inside uh, without actually having to come in and interact. So there's this uh, linguist expert. She's also a poet, and she, her name's Rydra, and she is enlisted in the war to figure out what Babel 17 is. So they need to they need to go to the invader side and figure out with with a team. So it's very much set up like, you know, that kind of Star Wars, like, let's put together a ragtag team, get in there, infiltrate, figure out what Babel 17 
is. So those are the sci-fi trappings. But really, it's it's Delaney wanting to explore what's called the the Sapir Wharf hypothesis, which I had no idea what this was before. Oh, it's book. real. Yeah, it's, yeah, oh, it's okay. real. He's basically exploring uh, linguistic concepts through oh. the through the vehicle of science fiction, and that hypothesis is your your language shapes your worldview and how you view yourself, which seems like, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, It's essentially linguistic, like relativism. So like the way that I speak internally defines me and how I view the world. And if I had a different, if I had a different, not accent, but um, like colloquial language dialect, then that would completely change my worldview. And Babel 17 is straight analytic so you're able to cut through everything with babel 17 hence why they can cut through the communication systems um and kind of use that as a weapon and he explores concepts too of like in babel 17 there's no like i is not a word there's no concept for i there's no concept for me so people who speak babel 17 they don't have a concept of self which is a big stretch (laughs) it's a big stretch because you would still have a concept of self even if you didn't have those in your language but it's it's just further exploration of he really wants to play with language here and explore this, but he's using science fiction as a vehicle in which to to do that. That's super interesting. Let me tell you, Adam, I don't know what the heck I was talking about all these times that I said that I don't like sci-fi because literally that sounds so interesting to me. Yeah. And I, Foundryside is sci-fi slash fantasy. So I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. I need to read more <laughs> sci-fi. That's that's my goal for the yeah. rest of the year, maybe. I'm guilty of the same thing. I used to say the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't especially with reading sci-fi. And I think it's because from an early age, uh, I just went for, like, we, we had, I worked in a library. We had library book sales. So I was like, well, I might as well start from the beginning and read the Foundation Trilogy by Isaac Asimov. And then, like, five chapters in, I was like, I don't know what this means. Snooze fest. <laughs> Snooze fest. But, yeah, it's uh, the past couple of years I've read superb, superb science fiction and i would put this i would put this up there this is a book that's short enough that i wouldn't reread it this year but i probably would sit down and physically read it next year because it just really didn't work for me as an audiobook because there's even there's a scene that's cool and i had seen these pages in the book already where she is thinking in babel 17 and she's thinking faster than she can keep up with Mm -hmm. so you have a block of text but then you have like you have text within the text of other thoughts. Uh, and the way they handle it in the audiobook is cool because the narrator is speaking and then the narrator starts speaking again at the same time, which is cool. But I had no idea what was going on. Like I could look at the page and, and say, okay, I know what he's going for here. But I have no idea what's going on because it's in it's in audio form. So That makes sense. Yeah. Also, plus female female protagonist, um, oh. so representation there. Asian protagonist. Although I will say it's from the '60s, so she's referred to as as Oriental once or twice. Okay. Um, but the novel itself is very very progressive, especially with sexuality. Sexuality is very open. Um, there's a polygamous or polyamorous, not polygamous, relationship, which Samuel Delaney, he was 23 at the time. He, this was his sixth published novel. He was 23 oh. years old. That's how old I am. Oh, yeah. my God. That's <laughs> Sixth crazy. published novel. And he was living in, in New York at the time. He was married, and like his, him and his wife also had a partner that lived with them. So like he imbues that into his novels. He has an autobiography I'd love to, love to read because it sounds interesting. But one of the characters kind of sums... I thought this this quote was really cool. I saw a bunch of the weirdest, oddest people I've ever met in my life who thought different and acted different and even made love different. They made me laugh and get angry and be happy and be sad and excited and even fall in love a little myself. And they didn't seem so strange or weird anymore. I thought that summed it up like perfectly. Yes. That's great. He was living his life, doing his thing. Exactly. And the guy's still alive. He's still cranking out book after book. Weird books. He has a YouTube page that he updates infrequently where he just like reads a script on his computer. He's like 79 years old. He's got this big beard. (laughs) Um, He's he's really, really funny. Um, And he writes everything like science fiction, straight dramatic fiction 
pornographic fiction, what have you. It's all in there. Something okay. for everyone. I will have to add that to my TBR, but I'm not allowed to buy any more books right now because, oh, we should I'll talk about- I'll just send it to you. Okay. Yeah. Do yeah. that. No. So we should talk about our homework, actually. Um, I got my bookshelf set up and I'm- I've come to the conclusion that um, I've not read as many books that I have. Like, I haven't even read half the books that I have. To be fair, though, I did give away a lot of books before we moved to Minneapolis. But so Adam and I have decided that our homework for next week is that we're going to count all of our books, see how many we've read and see how many we have not read. And then personally, I'm going to come up with a plan to read the books that I had <laughs> because, oh, my God. But yeah, so that's our homework for, for next week. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm going to exclude like single issue comic books because I have several thousand of those, but I've read oh. most of them. So it doesn't doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot to count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was keeping track in a spreadsheet because I'm a huge nerd for a while. And then mm-hmm. I was like, this is too much to keep up with, but I need to go back to it because I've run out of, you can see my comic books in the background. Not yeah. your listeners, sorry, but yeah, my boxes are in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you Did you have any other books that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, one I'll just mention very, very briefly because I picked it up at the beach because I'm still buying books. (laughs) Um, And that's my favorite, favorite superhero comic. It's not Batman. It's not Superman. It's Swamp Thing. I love Swamp Thing so much. I've never heard of that before. Swamp Thing is fantastic. Um, And this is Roots of Terror, the deluxe edition. And this one is kind of a tribute to – so the the creator and illustrator – uh, two separate people. The illustrator was Ber- Bernie Wrights, an original illustrator. The original uh, creator was Len Wein or Len Wein. I'm not sure how you pronounce his, his last name. They were born the same year and they died the same year in oh. 2017. So this serves as kind of like the tribute book to them. It's cool from the standpoint of like it includes his final Swamp Thing story, which he wrote. He didn't write the word like dialogue script for it, but he wrote out what he wanted in the art. So they include the artwork. They include the full issue without speech or thought bubbles, which is really huh. cool. And then immediately afterwards, you can you can read the script. Um, and it's got a be- it's got some great great Swamp Thing stories in here. I'll talk about Swamp Thing again another time and why I love Swamp Thing and why it's the greatest superhero comic that's out there. I'm surprised I've never heard of that before. It's one of those books that like critically does really well, but it, it constantly from the from the seventies on goes in and out of not print but um, publication. Okay, constantly. But it had a huge run. Um, Alan Alan Moore when they did the second volume. Alan Moore, who wrote The Watchmen, took over on like issue twenty, and like his Swamp Thing stories are some of the greatest like comic book literature stories ever told. Um, mind-blowing stories and and he had like maybe a 40 50 issue run on it and then it went on into the hundreds and then stopped and then started again then stopped and then started again it's currently starting up again which is great awesome Cool. Cool, cool, cool and i finished movies and other things by Shay Serrano. This was my beach read. I didn't read it on the beach, but I did read it in the in the house, in the beach house. And so I read it over the course of three days. And it is, it's an effective book. We've talked before about movies. You don't really watch movies, right? Not really, no. And I don't either, but I love movies. And, and this, this movie reminded me of how much I actually love movies. So as I was reading this, there's a section on the Shawshank Redemption. And we didn't have Wi-Fi at the beach, but we had cable. And I haven't had cable in over a decade. So that was a weird experience getting to know Cable again. But I was like, Shawshank Redemption's on. (laughs) And I was like, I'll just watch the first couple minutes. And of course, three hours later with commercials, like, ah, that was a great movie. I should watch that again sometime. (laughs) So I ended up watching Shawshank, the new Space Jam, and the new Suicide Squad movie. (laughs) because Almost solely because I read this book and was like, I love movies. How did I forget this? How was Suicide Squad? I've heard mixed reviews on that it's fantastic it's great it's great mixed reviews might be from it's it's violent it's very extremely violent okay. but it is it's comic booky over the top violence um it's a fun film it nails the tone right they nail harley quinn's character down really really well in that they keep doing this thing where she she ends up being a damsel in distress and you're like ah come on like this again like no she should and then you realize like no it's a misdirect like she's been in charge the whole time and just like it's just messing around which i thought was really really cool um yeah you don't like violence i definitely would not it's it's a lot it's constant violence but it's it's really funny it's genuinely a funny movie 
Let me tell you, I'm reading one of the most violent books of all time right now, and I'll let you finish about the the, the movie book. But oh my yeah. god, do I have a story for what I'm reading right now? <laughs> Can't wait. I've actually kicked <laughs> up the the violence gauge a little bit too. I've been really into reading like horror comics, which mm-hmm. again, when I was younger, I loved horror, and I feel like I got I got burned out on it so that's been a nice change of pace going like oh i do like movies i do like horror um so i I highly recommend this one it's got goofy illustrations throughout uh, which is really cool he has a chapter um where he discusses lessons that we've learned from robert de niro and and the (laughs) image that he commissioned is from dead poet society it's the scene where robin williams is standing up on the desks talking giving his lecture to the students but it's 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 robert de niro instead (laughs) instead of Okay. So it's stuff like that throughout the whole book. Um, it's it's really it's very much like it's like having a friend who's really excited about movies and that excitement comes through and it makes you want to watch these movies. But he does it in a way that's not annoying or overbearing. Like it's like, let me describe this plot to you in, in a paragraph rather than just like, let me quote everything from this from this movie. There's a little bit of that here and there. But like his his enthusiasm for the movies is is very, very infectious and I'm not one that is, I can't think of the word that I'm using, but I'm not deterred by um, spoilers. I'm not annoyed by spoilers. So like reading the plots of these movies was, was fine for me. But if you don't watch a lot of movies and you don't want those spoiled, that's fine too. But it does a ton of goofy things. Like you've seen Mean Girls. We've talked about Mean Girls before. I love Mean Girls. There's a chapter in here, which is um, who, what, who would be in the circle of French for Regina George? And it takes... <laughs> characters from like all kinds of high school movies and just ranks them and then goes through and goes this would be a character that would hang out with her this character would not here's why and and it's really clever and funny so i feel like there's a few chapters if you see it in the library pick it up maybe read that chapter it's like having your own personal movie nerd in your backpack it is and this is really dumb but he talks about he mentions rocky quite a few times and he talks about creed 2 and i was like holy cow i bought creed 2 when it came out and i've never watched it which is insane because again i have trouble sitting down to watch a movie but if i can get five minutes into a movie i won't stop watching it and i injured myself in in marathon training a couple years ago and i just can't get back into the running groove and then i remembered oh what kicked off that marathon training was i watched every rocky movie and was like i need to train for a marathon (laughs) so i was like i'm gonna go back and watch creed 2 and then the rocky movies and then and then that'll kick off my my training again not for a marathon but just just to run again (laughs) what's the longest race you've ever ran uh the longest i've ever run personally is is 20 miles that was the last thing i ran before i you know got the sciatica issue Um, longest crazy yeah longest race i've run two three i've run three half marathons oh my gosh good for you i ran a 5k one time and it (laughs) took me like a half an hour i was like the back of the pack i was like this sucks i cannot do this i did it with my dad (laughs) no back of the pack is fine it's just the running that's important because i can't (laughs) i currently can't run a run a 5k but i think rocky three will change that (laughs) yeah for sure for sure you have to let me know how it goes yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, part of it's the the summer too. Like I, I've started, stopped, and started training quite a bit. So I'm almost to the point where I can run a 5K. But we'll we'll see how it goes. I'll have sliced alone and and movies and other things to thank for it. So I didn't give it five stars, but like props for it. Really like piqued my interest in like yeah why don't you like sit down and watch a couple movies like and just just enjoy it and, and i like watching and, and analyzing like you know the cinematography techniques so i'm back on that i'm not reading books anymore is what I, this is the last episode of the <laughs> <laughs> well okay so i mentioned that i am reading a very violent book and adam let me tell you uh this is the most it's- messed up book that i have ever read in my entire life but it's fine. Okay, so um, I have seen this book like floating around, like book talk and and bookstagram. And honestly, typically, whenever I see a book like really hyped on those platforms, I'll pick it up. But okay, so I just heard that this book is very smutty, like very very sexual and um, very messed up. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll pick it up one day. Um, 
but it, you know, I just never, I just never did. I think this book is a couple years old by now. But then my one of my friends, she was like, Jess, you need to read this book. It's insane. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. So I picked it up. I guess I should like mention what the book is called. So it's Den of Vipers by K.A. Knight. And if you don't want to hear about like, a smutty, like sexual, very violent book. Like just skip, just skip ahead a couple minutes. Um, but, but, but what's wrong with you? I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so this book, it's about four men and they are at the very top of this, like they run a gang called the Vipers. And it, the book starts out where like they're torturing this guy for, because he didn't pay them or whatever. I don't know. And, they're like, yeah, okay, exactly. And they're like, um, okay, well, if you don't pay, uh, we're going to take your daughter. And the daughter's like, I think she's in her late 20s at this point. And he, this, the dad is like, he's been very abusive towards her, like, her whole life. Like, there's a, a lot of domestic abuse in this book, so just just keep uh, keep uh, an eye on that before you pick it up. Um but anyway, so they kidnap this guy's daughter for not paying his debts to the gang. And they don't really know what they're going to do with her. Like, are they going to kill her? TBD. I don't know. I'm like halfway through it. Uh, but right now, all four of them, separately, they're not all, not all together, but all four of them are having very intense BDSM sex <laughs> with her. And it's kind of messed up. So like one scene... And if you don't want to hear about this, like skip forward. I'm telling you right now. So one scene, there is a knife involved, and she's like tied up, and like he starts cutting her, and um, then he puts the handle like in, you know, in a in a region, and then he like starts having sex with her, and like the knife is like impaling him at the same time, and I was like, oh my goodness, like my mouth has literally dropped open so many times while I've been reading this book and I'm so embarrassed to even be talking about it but I was like I have I have to talk about it um overall like it's just like a book that you can just giggle about with your friends you know but you have to realize that it's very problematic so like she was kidnapped and now she's having like consensual sex with her kidnappers like that wouldn't happen like that's not a thing you know yeah yeah I in real life that wouldn't happen um and uh, another thing is that the woman that's kidnapped, her name is Roxanne. She's like, she's forming like a very deep connection with these men, like very quickly. And she is um, taking it upon herself to like fix them, you know, and I hate that trope. That is the worst yeah. trope of all. Like women, for some reason, we're socialized to, like when we encounter a man, we're socialized to try and fix them or like help them through their trauma. And I'm like, no. That's their own shit that they need to work through, you know? So I hate that trope. So yes, it's problematic. But I think that if you keep that in mind before you begin, it's just like a book that you can just giggle about with your friends, you know? And yeah, so that's can that. You describe, can you describe <laughs> some scenes like that instructor would describe the Peloton by? <laughs> <laughs> you put it in her undercarriage. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, I'm gonna Audio have to book sold. <laughs> when I post this episode, I'm gonna have to flag it for for explicit content. I know we were doing well for a while. I was trying not to swear. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> I had to talk about it. I gotta say though, probably not gonna read that. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I'd, you were you know, like intense, intense BDSM, and I was like, yeah, okay, all right. And then you were like violence, and I was like, eh, simultaneously, nah. No. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed to even be talking about it right now, but I was like, <laughs> you know, it's too it's too good of a, a thing to not talk about. You know, like my face is just so red right now. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> is it like because I'm you know, I'm I'm removed from social media. Does it come across as like a like a internet kind of challenge like read this book i dare you like is that is that kind of how it goes you know that's something that's always interested me because i feel like sometimes there what 
like, how do I want to explain this? So, like, I've, I've encountered this with, uh, A Little Life by Anya Yana Gihara, I think is her name. I would have to, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's her name. Have you, have you heard of that book before? I don't believe I have. Well, it's basically just... It sounds just, familiar. I think you may have talked about it before, but yeah. Yeah. But it's basically just, like, a really big, really sad book that I, it, 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 people keep recommending it, but it's, I mean, like, it's just sad. You know, and I haven't read it. I have it, but I haven't read it. Um, and I, I was thinking about like, why did I pick that up? Because I know that it's just going to make me sad. Like, why, why do I want to like be in that mindset? You know, and I, I just right. feel like sometimes people, like sometimes people just buy books and it, it, this is me too. Like I do this. Sometimes people just buy books to like feel a part of something, you know, and like yeah. feel part of a community kind of. Yeah. I, um, whenever I get particularly depressed, I immediately go over and grab some, uh, Bukowski poems off of my, <laughs> off of my <laughs> bookshelf for that exact reason. It's just like, this, this dude is wallowing in misery and depression and, and it makes me feel better. I don't know. I think there's a certain connection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Shared experience. Yeah. So maybe it's, maybe it's that with the, um, this book as well. Yeah. Yeah. Whew, intense. <laughs> yes, yes, very intense. Uh, but sounds, what did oh, it go ahead. sounds very I again, this was a bad bad thing to to read as an audiobook, but there's a book called Paperbacks from Hell. I forget who wrote it. And it chronicles all of the really trashy, smutty, gory horror fiction paperbacks that came out of the the 80s. And this 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 would fit like perfectly in that canon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And they're I, all problematic and they're all gross and they're all over the top. Yeah, I think so. I think the author of that that book should check this one out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But what what are you currently reading? You know, I'm in that weird point where I finished two books last night. And I'm like, I don't wow. the only thing I the only thing I have listed on my my Goodreads is um, a book on uh, an art a book on the art movement uh, Dada, which I have been reading for an entire year. So I can't even talk about that because it's been months since I've read it. So okay. nothing. Um, I have a giant stack of comic books I've been trying to work my way through because while I was reading War and Peace, that got massive. And then yesterday was free comic book day and I picked up like 25 free comics. So Ooh, yeah. exciting. that's about all I'm reading. But we don't need to go into that. Yeah. Well, um, we can go into the recommendation question that we have. Um, and so we're always looking for people to ask us for book recommendations. So it's really simple. You can go to our website, which will be in the show notes below, and you can just click on get a recommendation and I'll take you to a Google form and then you can just ask us pretty much whatever you want. So we've gotten questions of people who have liked a certain book and they're looking for something like it, or you can ask us for a recommendation for um, a specific genre. We've also had people ask us for um, books by people of color. So you can pretty much ask us for anything. Um, but this question that we have today comes from Mare, and she asks, I just read Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Bur... Oh, shoot. What's his last name? Berend? I don't have it up. I'm sorry. I think that's Pause. his last name. Pause to be cut out. Um, I think it's Berendt. Berendt? Yeah, it's got to be Berendt. Okay. Could be Berendt. Mare. Just say Berendt. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'll, I'll start over. So this question we got uh, from Mare, and she asked, I just read Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Berdent, and I've never read anything else like it before. It's technically creative nonfiction, but it's so immersive that I was in awe of the characterization and setting. I've never read a book where the people were so interesting that it made the murder trial the most boring part. Any similar creative nonfiction books or books that write people and relationships in a way that tell the story itself would be great. Mystery, suspense, and creative nonfiction would be my first choice of genre, but I'd be open to other things. Um, and I have two books 
for this, but Adam, you have a ton. So should we just go back and forth on this one? Yeah, let's go back and forth. I, I'll, I'll set a couple things up here before we start, which I, I did all creative nonfiction, which by the way, I'm an idiot. So the, the, the question just said CNF and I was like, isn't that that disorder that football players get for getting hit? To <laughs> so I had to look it up and was like, I'm an idiot. It's creative nonfiction. Um, so I went with, I know she, she also said mystery and suspense, but I figured like th- those will more than likely get addressed in other episodes. So I went with all creative nonfiction. Um, and I started with if you liked Midnight in the Garden of Evil, start here for sure. And then it kind of progress. There's four books that I have, and then they kind of progressively get like probably be interested. And then the last one's like wild card. So okay, I feel like we should um, explain what Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is about first. So I have like a little synopsis. It's a nonfiction story that follows John Baradent's experience when he was living in Savannah during a murder trial. Um, So basically the murder trial is this guy named Jim Williams. He is on trial for the murder of a male prostitute. And I, I really feel like I shouldn't say more than that because it is kind of like a, like a mystery thriller. And I like to go into books not knowing what exactly happens. Um, but it is just pretty much about that murder trial and his conviction. So. Hmm. I've heard nothing but good things about it. So so I have two books for this, but uh, Adam, I'll let you go first and then we can kind of uh, switch back and forth. Sure. Yeah. Now that I know that CNF is creative nonfiction and not that football player disease that they get from uh, from (laughs) their heads too much, which is my dumb brain thought that's what it was. So creative nonfiction. So educated by tara westover this has been recommended to you jess right many times i believe so yes uh educated is fantastic now you don't have a murder trial here but it doesn't matter so tara westover she is born into an extremely uh fundamental mormon survivalist family living in the mountains of idaho they've basically prepped for the end of the end of the world um but they're so extreme and they they don't trust anything about the government that they don't they don't trust anything any kind of anything medical outside of like the herbalism that they use at at home so if the kids get like gashed and they do like with something that obviously needs stitches they just they take care of it at home and there's I believe two, I think there's three kids. There might be more, uh, but two boys. And then I believe she's the only girl. So the boys are constantly getting into like extreme situations, like, you know, blowing things up. So then there's, there's burns. If I remember correctly, at one point, one of the, one of the boys gets his arm, like third degree burns on it from blowing something up and they just make him hold it in like this, this like bin of, of dirty water. And, and like it's certainly abusive but a lot of it is like they don't none of them are educated none of them trust anyone so they don't trust they don't trust doctors at all um so you know they just get gashes they get concussions and and they're just this is how they are treated the descriptions of the characterization of the of the parents and the brothers is is fantastic i mean this is a book that like you'll be on the edge of your seat the entire time and the descriptions of the dangerous situations they get into like like dad uses this machine that helps chop up like scrap metal Mm -hmm. and like she's a little kid using it and it's like pulling her towards the (laughs) the machine that cuts the metal and it's it's a terrifying terrifying description of of these things they also won't let the like she never washed her hands as a kid like even that yeah like they they didn't they didn't I don't remember the exact specifics, but they didn't believe in like using soap and washing your hands. So, you know, sick a lot of the times as well. And she essentially like self educates herself enough that she's able to get into um, Brigham Young University. She teaches herself mathematics and grammar. Uh, And while she's there, there are tons of scenes of her, you know, interacting with with campus life. And, you know, Brigham Young University isn't a wild college campus, but it just seems like to her and she's still steeped in this background. 
like everyone is just you know full of sin and this is a terrible place but she studies history where she learns for the first time about the holocaust the civil rights movement like absolutely everything that we take for granted knowledge wise she learns for the first time and that's how she starts to break from the family and um the abuse of the particularly one of the brothers is is very very abusive so it's a it could potentially be a rough read i mean obviously content warnings with everything that i just said but it is written so well and is so gripping that like if you were if you were immersed by the characterization and and setting of midnight in the garden of good and evil head to this first definitely head to this first yeah that one has been recommended to me before Uh, i actually wrote into another podcast and i asked for a book recommendation for something that my boyfriend and i would would read together because he reads more like um, like he likes books about like leadership and history, things like that. And I read more like you, we know, we know what I read. I read yeah. <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So that was actually one of the books that they recommended to me on the podcast. And the other one was The Fire This Time by Jasmine Ward. We have yet to, to pick up those books, but yeah, no, when, um, when they said on, on that podcast that she learned about the Holocaust for the first time in college, I was like, whoa, like, like you said, you, you just kind of uh, take some knowledge for granted sometimes. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, it, I, I think written in lesser hands, it would be entirely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the writing, it's, it's very, it's very much like, oh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm pretty sure this actually happened exactly how she's saying, especially because the mom's on YouTube. So go check out oh. that craziness when you're done reading. <laughs> yeah, doesn't she own a soap company or something? Yeah, no, yeah. not soap. They don't use soap. She owns some kind of company, like maybe like a like maybe like an herbal. I think it's like essential oils or something like that. I looked it up a long time ago. It's been a while since I've read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well. That sounds awesome. Um, and, and one of the first books that I uh, chose for this one was A Wasteland of Strangers by Bill Prozini. Um, and this book is also set in Savannah. And it's basically like... the and, and here's the thing, is that for me, I don't like spoilers when it comes to things that I'm reading. So this is going to be like a very scant description of it because it is more like a mystery suspense kind of novel Hmm. but basically it's about this guy named john c faith and he comes into town he's a new person in savannah and everyone wants to know more about him but he's very mysterious and aloof um and soon after he gets there, a beautiful local girl, she turns up murdered, and then everyone starts to suspect John C. Faith, and it kind of devolves from there. I like that his name's John C. Faith, and he's accused of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my second book... These are books, if I if I feel a little too describe you with these, I haven't read these for a long time, but they have stuck with me. And it's another mm-hmm. creative nonfiction book. Behind the Beautiful Forevers, Life, Death, and Hope in a Mumbai Undercity by Catherine Boo. Have you heard of this one? I haven't. Okay. This was recommended, I think, a long time ago by like John Green and and that crowd. So, so some of you may have heard of it. Um, this is... A crazy book. I'm just going to read to you some of the description from the back. So, uh, Anawadi is a makeshift settlement in the shadow of luxury hotels near the Mumbai airport. And as India starts to prosper, Anawadians are electric with hope. Abdul, a reflective and enterprising Muslim teenager, sees a fortune beyond counting in the recyclable garbage that richer people throw away. Asha, a woman of formidable wit and deep scars from a childhood in rural poverty, has identified an alternate route to the middle class political corruption with a little luck her sensitive beautiful daughter Anawadi's most everything girl will soon become its first female college graduate and even the poorest Anawadians like Kalu a 15 year old scrap metal thief believe themselves inching closer to the good lives and good times they call the full enjoy but here's the but and and this is what I think will make you really like this book if you liked Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil Abdul the Garbage Sorter 
is falsely accused in a shocking tragedy. Terror and global recession rocked the city and suppressed tensions over religion, caste, sex, power, and economic envy turned brutal. As the tenderest individual hopes intersect with the greatest global truths, the true contours of the competitive age are revealed, and so, too, are the imaginations and courage of the people of Anawadi. This book's amazing. It's it's mm-hmm. astounding. And, and the crime that they describe there that he's falsely accused of is horrifying. So, con- content warning there it's not particularly gory but it involves it involves a fire um and that's where the religious tension starts to come in the discrimination starts to come in um because one of them is uh buddhist if i remember correctly one of them is is muslim and that kind of drives this false accusation against this kid uh the descriptions here are beautiful it's called behind behind the beautiful forevers because the mumbai airport um had this like um advertisement for i think a painting company called like the beautiful forevers or something like that so that's where the title comes from but amazing book amazing book i've read both of these uh this one and educated in audio form and they're great audiobooks so if you're into audiobooks check out the audiobooks yeah and i feel like that's something that i should really read because Kind of looking at my bookshelves, um, and I've had a, a lot of these books forever, but most of them are by white authors, and they're they're about white people. So mm-hmm. I I want to kind of expand my uh, my worldview, I guess. Like I want I want to read more books by people of color, and I feel like that would be a really interesting book to read. Unfortunately, uh, a white lady wrote this one. Oh. <laughs> uh, but being that it is, I just assumed. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an obvious assumption there. But, um, sorry, I didn't mean. Let's let's edit this. I didn't mean to say say obvious assumption. That sounds condescending. It's. I can see why you'd make that assumption. I would make the same assumption. Um, but that said, it's creative nonfiction, and and her focus is so much on these characters and if i remember correctly like it it is one of those books where it just it shows them going about their their lives so there's not like a particular like every writer has a bias but it's presented in a non-bias way so i still think you would get something out of it from that standpoint okay well i will still put a note to to buy it when i am no longer on my my book buying ban so like two uh, weeks or, from now. <laughs> oh, I, exactly. Or I could just get it from the library because, you know, those exist. But, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, the other book that I chose, so I, I have two, and this is the second one. Um, the other one was Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. And again, this is going to be a very short description. Uh, but this tells the story of Dr. H. H. Holmes, which can we just say like that's <laughs> that's a, an awesome name. But well, he's not an awesome person because he is a serial killer and he lured his victims into what became known as his murder castle. And this happened in 1893, right under the noses of uh, police and authorities who were struggling to deal with the massive amounts of people who were going to Chicago to attend the World's Fair in that year. So that's that's a really good book. I recommend you pick that one up. My wife read that one. She really liked it. I'm gonna mm-hmm. cut my other two because I don't think they're I don't think they're related enough to the recommendation. But I, this did jog my memory a little bit. Um, I just gave you two really intense and 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 depressing <laughs> books to read that are very good. So definitely read them. Um, but if you're looking for something that's that's a little bit of a change of pace, still creative nonfiction. There is a book called The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero. There was a bad movie made of the same name by. Um, James Franco adapted it to mm. film. Um, movie, not great. Book, fantastic. Audiobook, even, even better. It is, it, it, it's a memoir of Greg Sestero's and how he fell into what's considered one of the, like the best worst movie of all time. It's called The Room. I don't know if you've heard of The Room before. I have, yeah. It's, uh, first of all, film is amazing. I've seen it probably like 25 <laughs> times. Uh, but the book, the background of it is even crazier than the movie itself. And if you're looking for creative nonfiction with, with strong, strong characterization, this is 
perfect. Like I can, I could see it as a movie in my head while reading it. it they just didn't, they just didn't pull it off. Um, it was mm-hmm. a little too, the performances were lackluster, but the book is fantastic. So if you end up reading all of those and you're like, whew, okay, well, life is a little bit dimmer now, uh, go for that one. Disaster <laughs> artist, Greg Sestero. Not depressing at all. It's a great book. Awesome. Well, I think that Mayor has, uh, really great books to choose from and that brings us to the end of our podcast we've had so many (laughs) issues with our internet connection on this (laughs) on this episode so um we're we're glad that that we made it through and thank you guys so much for listening if you want a book recommendation please check out our our uh website i'll have it linked in the show notes and then you can also check out our discord in our instagram which i will have in the show notes as well and thank you guys so much for listening fairly well internet people